you're listening to Four Micronations by Micronations. This is Angela. I am a Micronesian American sister, daughter, auntie, dog mom, cat mom. I <laughs> am also your host. And today I have a guest. And we are going to talk about housing, just because I think it's really important for everybody to know more about housing, and especially people who do come from marginalized groups or people who are people of color. Um, because a lot of the time we're the folks that don't know as much as the white folks. So um, I'll let my guest introduce herself. Go ahead. My name is Portia Jackson and I am currently um, a community development specialist in a county in Minnesota, but I am very well versed in housing because I've worked and lived in the entire spectrum. So I know a lot between homeless shelters all the way up to homeownership. So I think that's why Angela chose me and I'll, I'm also on her tier of best friends. So that might be also why she chose yes. me, but yes, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> oh, and then I always ask everybody, what do you identify in terms of your ethnicity or race? I am blackly black, black. So <laughs> I, that's what I ascribe to. Like people say African-American, I'm black. I'm culturally black. Um, I look black, I'm black. Um, and the one thing I will say that I saw on Facebook, because I'm always on Facebook the other day, is instead of saying like BIPOC, what I've been using is people of the global majority, because guess what? That's what we are, are people yes. of the global majority. Yes, Please. I saw Exclamation that. Point. Yes, you and I've been using everything. You posted it. Yeah, I probably was, yes. No, I do. I like that. Oh my gosh. People of the global majority. Because that is so true. It's the truth. In America, we're considered the minorities if you're like a person of color. But like in terms of the globe, we are the global majority if you're a person of color. Yes, period. So yes, definitely. Which, do you have anything that's like your favorite thing about being black? I don't know. It's just, it's a little dangerous, but it's also like super lit. Like I, I wouldn't want to be anything else. Like I just, you know, I respect and accept and you know love folks of other cultures but being black is just a whole experience um especially being from the midwest i think um it's just it's just an awesome thing like i can't even really put into words what it means to me or means to my family because it's just awesome like people you know if you look at the news you would think we'd be the most depressed people ever in life because we're just you know (laughs) depressed and oppressed and marginalized but you know, we take the worst of things and we still, you know, keep striving and thriving and just keep having a good time. So I love it. Everything about it. There's, you know, I do wish that we had more access to to wealth like, you know, our, our counterparts do. But other than that, like, I wouldn't have it any other way. No, I like that. I always ask like Micronesians like what their favorite, I don't know, like food is or just random things. Yeah. yeah. But like I... I think my friends that I've had on were like Leah, my friend Liz, and they're white. So like, I never know how to ask because I'm half white. Like, I don't even know if I yeah. ask my mom, like, what is your favorite thing about being white? I don't even know if it's like an appropriate question to ask. Don Townley would be like, what? No. <laughs> she probably right. would have an answer, though. She would probably have an answer. But you should right? ask her sometimes. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay, so I think you kind of answered where you live. Yeah, I live in I I live in Minnesota, but I I live in the city of 
Minneapolis and specifically on the north side of Minneapolis, which if you know anything about Minneapolis, that is significant. Yes. And you, like you said, you grew up in the Midwest. You're a Midwest girl. You were, you're from Gary, Indiana. Correct. Have you lived yes. in Chicago as yep, well? Yep, I lived in, yep. I um, lived, was born in Gary, lived in Chicago, went back to Gary, went back to Chicago, and then moved to Minnesota from Chicago in 1992. So when I was in the seventh grade, the summer before seventh grade, we moved to Minnesota and I've been here ever since. You're Midwestern and through. Yeah, through and through. Um, so I guess my first question is, what is your personal opinion um, on what is better to rent or to own when it comes to housing? Overall, in general, I believe it's better to own. Um, but it does, you know, I do go back and forth depending on the market. Because right now, things are kind of cooling off. But for the last couple of years, you know, since the pandemic, Mm-hmm. It's been very difficult um, to get something that's affordable. But the reason why I say I think is mostly 99% of the time it's better to own is because you're growing equity. Like you don't get to grow any equity when you're renting because, you know, nine times out of 10, your rent is going to go up 5, 10, 15% every year. You don't get to, mm-hmm. you know, share in the the equity that that building that you live in is accruing, like through the market and through, you know, if your landlord has a mortgage, they're paying off their mortgage. If they, you know, don't have a mortgage, then they're just straight up straight equity. So you don't get to share in that. And for 99% of us, the ones who are not uber rich, property ownership is the number one way to build wealth. So wow. if you're just, you know, you're making good money, but you're renting, you know, what, what, what are you really investing, you know, as far as just by doing, I mean, because you're essentially doing the same thing you would be doing anyway when you're renting. If you were to rent a house, you would be doing the exact same thing that you would do if you owned a house, except when a pipe bursts or whatever, you call a landlord. When you're the owner, you call a plumber. Like, and you would think it's, you know, this total different is not. It's, 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 it, there's ways to save money to be able to account for those types of things. So, you know, you spending an extra 100 bucks, you know, every six months for some repair or whatever the case may be, pales in comparison to the amount of equity, especially in this market, that you will be attaining. For instance, I'll give you my example. Mm-hmm. I bought my house in 2015 for $159,900. So $160,000. Five bedroom, 2,000 square foot, pretty big lot. Completely redone. I bought it from a nonprofit that sold um, houses to people under 80% area median income. Right now, I could just go on Zillow and say, how much could I get for this house, you don't even know what the condition is. $300,000, easy. That's in five, six years. Really? Almost doubled our investment. And again, like I told you before, the market is cooling off, so things are looking a little bit better. But as a homeowner, look at that. Like, just think if you would have gotten in, you know, people Mm would have gotten in back in 2010, after the bubble burst, things were kind of cheap. You got in, you got a pretty good interest rate. Just think, of what you can do as far as selling, as far as, you know, refinancing, as far as renting, like you can't do that when you're a renter. And there are so many things out there that you can access to get you into it. It's expensive to get into, but there are things that can help you to get into it. You don't have to have 10, 20% to put down. You can get into it with 3%, you know, you can get into it with $6,000. If you can save your tax return or save over the next year or two, you can get into it. It's not as difficult as it used to be. So my biggest thing is I I would like everybody to own. I would like everybody to own. But, you know, the biggest thing, though, 
is you need to figure out, don't listen just to me. You need to figure out your specific situation. So you need to talk to a home ownership advisor, housing counselor. If you're in the United States, there's somebody somewhere that can help you out with this. And most of them are HUD certified, so we're looking for that. But they can specifically look at your credit report, look at your debt to income, look at your take home pay and say, hey, you know, you can say, okay, I'm comfortable paying twelve fifty. And they can say, okay, well, in this market with this this interest rate, with this amount of money you have down, this is what you could possibly buy with that. So you need to get to somebody who doesn't charge you because most places, if they're HUD certified, uh, a HUD certified council agency, they get money from HUD. They get money from the federal government. They get money from the state. They get money from the county. You don't need to pay for those things. They are free to you because they owe this to us. They owe us the education. So definitely go out there and get it. And if somebody's charging you, go on to the next one because there's somebody who won't. And it doesn't mean that the information is any less you know, valuable. It's there for you. So take that step and at least just see if it makes sense for you to buy. Maybe it makes sense for you to buy two years from now. It really is very specific to your situation. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, just from a social worker, like advice thing. So this is something a lot of people will not tell you. And I want to tell you because I've learned this working with the elderly. A lot of people do not know this. If you sign up for Medicaid. Oh, I should really tell people this who are Micronesian because we just got access to Medicaid. Yep, yep. If you sign up for Medicaid, when you die, if you're over 55 years old, the government, because they pay for Medicaid and provided you that Medicaid, can come after your assets. Mm-hmm. So they can take your home after you mm-hmm. die. So like they a lot can. of people love like having that generational like asset. So like they love saying like, I have this home. It's something I can pass on to my children. Um, but if you have Medicaid and you're also a homeowner, which you can be a homeowner and also get Medicaid, you still qualify. Mm-hmm. They don't take your assets as, as income. Um, but when you die they can take your home that's like a thing a lot of people don't know that it's part of the affordable care act and it's not obama's fault it's not trump's fault like that's been in place it was like that before then yeah Yeah. it was like that before because you know i used to work as a i have many 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 jobs when i say i worked across the housing continuum i really worked across the housing continuum but i used to work um for a county the large well one of the most well-known counties in minnesota and there will be so many people that would have to do all kinds of things because they would go into assisted living before they passed away, but they still had a wife or a husband that was in the home. So they used to have to do things as far as, um, you know, their wills and power of attorney and all those things to make sure that when they pass away, because medical bills are astronomical. And even if Medicaid paid for them, they want their money back if they can get it. And that's what Ed was talking about. Like, so you got to figure out how to get into a position where your loved ones, you know, your children or your spouse or whoever still can keep that asset and not have to sell it off because you owe, quote unquote, owe medical bills. So, yeah, definitely, you know, talk to a state and a state planning person and you should be able to find those for free or on a sliding scale, especially if you're elderly. So definitely tap into that because you do not want to do, be doing all this stuff for 40, 50 years. And all of a sudden, you know, Uncle Sam or whoever decides they want to take your money because they paid four hundred thousand dollars in medical bills yeah and a lot of people don't know where to look i tell people i don't know it depends on your area but most mm-hmm. areas nowadays have 211 yep mm-hmm. call That's true. 211 it's like calling 911 if you have an emergency you call 911 if you want information you call 411 if you want resources call 211 just pick up your phone hit 211 dial it and it goes to a united way helpline usually mm-hmm. they'll tell you like you'll just tell them what you want like you could say like my electric bill is 
past due. Yep. I have a shot off notice. I don't know how I'm going to pay this. Are there any resources in my area that will help me? And they'll connect you to something. It's amazing. People, a lot of people don't even know about 211. Yep. But I'm getting off topic. Okay. So it's okay. All this information is good information. <laughs> yeah. So I put down a couple of facts that were kind of important to go on. Um, so it says across the country, this is according to American Pro- Pro- uh, AmericanProgress.org. Across the country, historic and ongoing displacement, exclusion, and segregation continue to prevent people of color from obtaining and retaining their homes and accessing safe, affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Many just simply don't know the steps to go through to buy a home. So I wanted to ask you, what's the first thing someone should do if they want to buy a house? Before you even talk to anybody, the number one thing I think that people should do is know what you're you're comfortable with paying know what's affordable to you because what i think is affordable for you based on your numbers may not be what's affordable to you like seriously right because what we do like as a when i used to be in my former life as a housing advisor because i used to do this work Mm -hmm. um you know i can take your growth pay now i'm looking at growth we all know that we don't take home growth right Um, we can take home growth but (laughs) lenders and banks look at growth. So we look at your growth and then we also look at whatever is reported as a payment on your credit report. So even though you might pay, you know, $200 on your Nordstrom's bill every month, the, the minimum payment is 25. So we're just going to look at 25. So we're not even looking at the other $175 that you pay. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at that. We're not looking at daycare, which can be as much as a mortgage. We're not looking at, you know, anything that's not reported on your credit report. And we're going to say, okay, if we look at this and we use pretty conservative ratios um, and I won't get too much into the weeds with it, but basically front end ratios is about 31%. So that's your housing ratio. So we look at 31% of your um, gross income. And then the back end ratio, we look at as much as 43%, which is the mortgage and anything else um, debt related on your credit report. So we look at those two things. Now those, it could say, Hey, with 31%, you can pay $1,600 and with 43%, depending on your debt, you can pay 1550. But if you feel like you could pay 1200 then that's the number you need to work with. Mm. Because a bank will put you, those are very conservative ratios, the 31 and 43% I just talked about. Yeah, A bank could do 31 and 55. Honestly, FHA, which is sanctioned by the federal government, can put you in a house with a debt-to-income ratio of 55%, which is bananas. Because remember, I just told you, they look right. at growth. So they're looking at 55% of your growth. They're not counting anything other than that's what reported on your credit report. That's so, so we're not real. talking about it's, like, and, I, I mean, they will really let you do it. They will let you do it. Yeah, because I'm sure if Wes and I like went and we were like, oh, yeah, here's our income. What can we qualify for? They'd be like, you could get a $350,000. Yeah. We could not afford a Easy. Like that's, you know, with our gross income, like our yes. net income. My mom is like a tax accountant. And so is my mm-hmm. sister. And I think my mom said like, whatever your gross is, if you don't actually know how much before you get a job, like if they say they're going to pay you $30,000 a year, um, take away 30% of that. And that's about how much you make in that. That's after like yeah. your benefits and your taxes and mm-hmm. any other things that they're going to take out of it. So like they pay you 30,000, let me do math. Three times three is nine. Is so nine. Take, take away 9,000 for that. You're only making yeah. $21,000 a year. That's what you're really That's making. what you have in your hand that comes into your bank account every two weeks, every week, every twice a month, whatever the case may be. Right. So that's my first thing is yes. before you think about anything else, before you say, oh, my credit card. No. Okay. Yeah. We're going to worry about that later. But right now, I want think to know what 
you can do with the money that you have today, if you could buy a house today, how much would you want to pay? Think about that. And you know the answer to that because you know if you went to rent, what you would be willing to pay an apartment Mm -hmm. or a house if you were renting. So you have to Mm -hmm. think about that same as like your mortgage. And you have Mm -hmm. to take into consider when you get a mortgage, you're going to have to have home insurance too. And you're going to have property taxes too. (laughs) So that's the whole thing too. All that. And, you know, depending on what area you live in. Because I live in Minneapolis, but again, mm-hmm. key thing is I live in North Minneapolis, so my taxes aren't very high for all kinds of reasons. But if you go across downtown and you go southwest, I'm pretty sure their taxes are probably three times as much as mine. I might That's be exaggerating crazy. a little bit, but it's really bananas how much yeah, it makes a difference. taxes. It makes a huge difference. And when I say the payment, when I'm telling you think about payment, I'm talking about property. Or I'm sorry, not property. Yeah, your property. But principal, interest, taxes, insurance. And sometimes you have to pay mortgage insurance, which is a whole different thing. Well, I, I don't, I'm not even going to scare you to talk about that. So mm. it's, and then also association dues. If you live in a townhouse or condo or another shared land type situation, situation, you have to pay that too. Yeah. So it could go, it could get really expensive really fast. So don't let that deter you though, because when I bought my house, I looked at, you know, virtually and in person, probably a hundred houses. I'm not even joking because I I had specifics, you know, I had a long list, about 20 things. By the time I bought the house, I had about five things I had to have, but you really have to think about what's important to you. And just know too, that I know it's a big step, especially if you've never owned a house, nobody in your family's ever owned a house, but this will not be your only house that you're ever owned. I know it seems like that. It'll be like, oh my God, it took so much. I, I can't do this again. This will not be it because guess what? That equity is building. The equity is building. You're going to take that equity and you're going to size up or size down or do something. But this is not going to be the house that you're going to be in forever. That's the cool thing about houses, too, is like I heard that, like, for cars, when you buy a car, as soon as you get that car and drive off the lot, it depreciates in value. It's over. It's not yes. as valuable as soon as you sit your back, like your butt in that seat. But like with houses, you can move into a house and you could pay like one hundred thousand dollars for it and like just paint the walls and do one other thing the housing market could change the next year it could be like a hundred and eighty thousand dollar house yeah it's like easy. so crazy you never know you never know and it's and honestly it's not you know a realtor told me once it's not about how much you think the house is worth it's how much somebody's willing to pay mm. period interesting period. <laughs> period and you had to think about very interesting you had to think about a lot when you were getting house, I'm sure. Oh, my god! you are basically Micronesian, Portia, because you let everybody <laughs> in your house live, like, everybody in your family live in your house. <laughs> I've had family members, people I've never met before live in my house for a year and a half. And guess what? Yesterday we got, guess what happened? We got a cat. His name is Archie. I'm going to send you a picture. But, yes. But yeah, we got Archie. Archie, he's, he, we named him Archie because he kind of looks like um, Meghan Markle's husband because he's orange. So... The baby's name is Archie, so we named him Archie. So yeah, I love this fact because I think you're the perfect person to answer. I want everybody who's listening to know that Portia Jackson was, in fact, in a BuzzFeed article <laughs> for this I was. Yes, I was. expertise. You are very qualified. Um, so this fact says, <laughs> as of 2017, just 41 percent of Black households own their home, compared with more compared with more than 73 percent of white households. Numbers for people of color are lower than white homeowners obtaining home ownership. Um, and your quote in BuzzFeed was, what was it? I forget. 
Oh God, what did I say? I don't know. <laughs> I want to go look. It's on your Facebook somewhere. It's in your. I could go. Look. Oh, I want black people to buy houses. That one. Yes. Oh yes, it says Portia Jackson wants black people to buy houses. That's my cover photo for my Facebook page. I love it. Yes, that's that's all I had to do is look it up. Um, but yes, that's how I feel about Micronesians. Like I want Micronesian people to own houses. Yes. And as yes, a person, the people of the global majority need to. Yes, I am multiracial, and as a woman who grew up with a white woman raising her, my mother is white and comes from, like, you know, that's how her brain thinks is through a white lens, and Mm -hmm. she used to say things like, um, you know, that was our starter home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You you don't hear a lot of people saying things like that. You do hear some, but not, like, that's just not, like, the traditional lens. So I guess my question to you was, what have you observed as some of the more pressing challenges that stop people of color from buying homes? Well, the first thing I'll say is this particular um, factoid, the 41% of black households and 73% of white, mm-hmm. that's only a, well, I shouldn't say only, but it's a 42 point difference. In Minnesota, that number, hold on, let me pull it up because I just had it in Star Tribune to speak me out. But that number, I'm pretty sure, no, let me get it. I think it's 78 and 21, but let me look. I'm going so to try it's it one more time. a bigger gap. It's a bigger gap. Like it's a 52 point gap for, for black homeowners and white homeowners in Minnesota. So you, wow. you know, you lived in Minnesota, so you know what it's like, but it just seems like, why is that the case when there's so many opportunities out here? Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, until George Floyd, you didn't really see like the angst and like just the pissed offness that we have for how we're treated. Like, it, you know, it's Minnesota. It's Minnesota nice. You don't right. you really get to see that until the shit hit the fan. Right. Seriously. Um, but that's a big thing. Like, there's, you know, a 50% difference between, that's 50 crazy. point difference between that. So, you know, that's one of the biggest things. Is like, that's what I try to do every single day is to make that less. And if it's just with education of my own family members, if it's education through, um, through my professionalism, you know, that's what I do. But I think that a lot of it too is just trust. You know, um, I do um, task people with finding the documentary Jim Crow the North. I think it was by PBS TPT locally here in Minnesota. Jim Crow the North, it shows how redlining pretty much created, you know, quote unquote, ghettos and, you know, impoverished communities in Minnesota, in particular in Minneapolis and surrounding areas and how that you know, still is pervasive and still you can see it today. I live Ooh. in a red line zone. That's so I want to talk know, about this a little bit because I think yeah. as Micronesians, they're newer immigrants. So a lot of them, maybe the younger generations who grow up here and they're like a little bit more aware of the mm-hmm. American history, but any other listeners who might be older don't know about red lines, but yeah. even people I work with who are American don't know anything about the red lines. Which so, is crazy. I know. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're doing like these quote unquote lunch and learns where like mm-hmm. we can submit something that we think is important for people to know about. And like mine are always cultural because that's apparently what I do. Yeah. Yeah. But um, because I work in like a predominantly white space. And so mm-hmm. I there's NPR has a really great I think it's less than five minute video just explaining the history of redlining. Yeah. And that's exactly what you explained. Like it's just like they used to mark off areas and try to push all the poor and especially black people out mm-hmm. to these areas and try to keep like, keep like these other areas where like the predominantly, you know, yeah. not and their like, racial covenant mm-hmm. in the properties. Like yes. there's things in the in the in the deed that say, 
you cannot sell this house to a black person. So like crazy. It legit says, no, you cannot do that. And you know, there are movements to try to get those removed because they're still on there. There's, so if you look back, they're still there. So um, I don't know <sighs> if you know this, but Leah is like actively in the process of getting the covenant removed off of her home. Yes. So yes, like we talked a about that a little homes, bit. Obviously, people are selling their homes to black folks, even though they're right. technically a covenant on the home. Um, like so they're not really respected anymore. But no. if you actually look into the history of your home, a lot of homes still have the covenant on them. So you yep. can go and get them removed. And it's like the University of Minnesota is like working with people to do that. It's a free mm-hmm. service. So she's going through the process of doing that because That's awesome. like, it's it's free. And even though it quote unquote doesn't affect anyone, and I'm sure we could sell to somebody Yeah, to whoever you want, them, but still but, just having that removed says something like like you know, it's just, I mean, I we think I would feel better with that. Yeah, we live in a country right now that is trying to get rid of, like, any type of, like, history that is, like, good for people to know to not, to basically eradicate racism or to um, help people understand critical thinking around racism. They're trying right. to remove that from school. So, like, why would we not think that it's very possible that if we don't remove these covenants and things like that, they could come <laughs> back? Somebody could be like, out. oh, yeah, this is only here. Nobody ever removed it. So, we can't sell this to you. Like, what? Right? <laughs> are you serious? I and think you are going south. It's just, oh ugh. my gosh. That would be horrible. I know. Yeah. yeah, as much as we try to move forward and we see the injustices and we see like the blatant. Because we ain't even talking about the subtle racism. Because that's what really gets me like, mm. you know, honestly, like, I respect folks in the South. If they don't like you, they don't like you, and they tell you that. It's that's different true. when the banker doesn't like me, and I my loan gets denied. Now, that's the kind of racism that I really loathe and just... Because <laughs> that's something totally different. Like, they're both bad, but one of them can affect me and my kids and my kids' kids and my kids' kids. So, yeah, it's just, you know... Ah, uh, it's it's hard, but again, I would never change who I am. I would never change my culture. But the more I talk about it, the more difficult I understand it is. So right, yeah. no. <laughs> so I guess the other thing would be: Do you have any other extra tips or resources that could help support people of color to become you know what homeowners? Really, um, the one thing that I don't even think I've ever said this to anybody, but the more I think about this and the more I've worked with people and the more I've, you know, dealt with family and talking about financial things is we need to figure out a way to do things collectively. And I don't mean that in a kumbaya type of way. I mean, seriously, because there are some people of the majority, uh, global majority that have this down pat. My uh, Latino, Latinx brothers and sisters, you know, when I was a kid, I'm like, dang, you know, my neighbor downstairs, le- legit. When I lived in Chicago, I lived in one of a huge, like, apartment complex. So it had all kinds of folks in it. And our neighbors, um, the kids spoke English, but the parents did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember that they had the mom and the dad. They had three kids, and they also had the mom's sister, her husband, and their kids, all living in the same like one bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you know. I don't know if the landlord knew about that or whatever. Who cares? But it's like they saw that them being together and collectively living was much easier for them financially, especially to do than just all everybody have their own house. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, most 
persons of the global majority, I'm going to keep saying that until people just start using it like BIPOC, right. is, you know, that we are together. Like, our cultures breed and, and thrive on togetherness, where the white culture is individualistic. So we're more about collectivism. Mm-hmm. And I think when the, major- when the dominant culture gets into there and, and, and feeds us in our hands that we need to be more independent, it physically feels like you're doing something wrong, For at least, at least for me it does. So it's more about, you know, being able to heal those, those, those things in the family that are just, you know, that are just there and, and, and pervasive and just, you know, keep us from being together. Healing those things, figuring out how to work systems in a way that we can still be collective and not be penalized by the welfare system or the school system and things like that, because that does happen. Right. Um, you know, because if you live with your sister, y'all share food together, then all of y'all have to be on the same food stamp case. Even though your sister may not work right now and you're working a full-time job, so now your sister isn't eligible for food stamps because y'all eat together. So figuring out a way to say, you know what, she eats her, you know, she has a special diet, so she eats her own food. Okay, so then you can have separate. So just figuring out ways to be together will help you in the long run, especially financially, because if you can put me, my sister, and my mom on the loan, then just think of what we can buy. Right. Think of what equity we can build because we all have our own space in the home. We can raise our children there. The village is raising the kids. You know, you don't have to go and get daycare because, you know, baby people work different shifts, so everybody takes care of children. Whatever the case may be, I just think that since we're already at disadvantage with the earning potential that we have, and that's changing because Black women are the most educated women in the world at this point, and people in the world, period. Like, we just... You know, I have a master's degree. And people are like, what? Yes, I have a master's. But, um, you know, so we need to use that 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 intellect as people. We need to yeah. use, use that buying power as people. And we don't, if you don't want to be, you know, of course some people do like, you know what, I don't want nothing to do with my family. I just want to be over here. But <laughs> if you can get, you know, because I know, like, like Angela said, I have had every person I've ever been related to living in my house. <laughs> For the most part, like anybody alive that I'm related to has lived in my house for some amount of time, and people I'm not even related to. But but if you can hack it and you figure out a way to keep your sanity, um, mm-hmm. definitely do things on a collective basis because everything is based on at least a two income household. You know, I keep debating if I want to like leave my job, and I I love my job. My job is like good in all the ways, all the things you want from a job, like good benefits. The pay is good. Um, right well it's acceptable for social work <laughs> right um, yeah like um like basically like it's they're they're pretty flexible with me there's a good life work balance like all the things I want but I keep debating if I want to leave my job and start like my own private practice mm-hmm. but it would take a lot of effort and work and whatnot it's just so like intriguing to me because like I just love the thought of like having your own and not having to answer to like a system mm-hmm. of some sort and like you always have yep. to answer to some sort of system like right. even if I have my own business like I'm gonna have to like probably like register with the business bureau I'll have right. to, I always have to practice under my licensure and go through the mm-hmm. code of, go with the code of ethics like um there's things I'm always gonna have to do but at the same time it's like like you said like if you can make the system work for you it goes to the same with home ownership like if you live in an apartment and then there's people in that apartment that they don't know are in there and they're not on the lease, like the landlord will be like, oh, we're evicting you because this, that, or the other. Like when you own a home, you can have anybody in your house that you want. Pretty much. It would take a lot for somebody to throw you off the block. Yeah, it would take a lot 
as long as you're paying your mortgage and not like you know doing crazy stuff in the neighborhood, that would be it would take a lot for somebody to make you move out of something that you own. So yeah, it definitely. And I mean, that even goes to folks that may have a criminal background. You know, right. it's hard to rent when you have a criminal background, but they can they can't deny you a, a mortgage for a criminal background at all. Thank God. You know, that like you know, like if you have something that you did ten years ago and it's still lingering. They can't say no, you know, about that. They don't even look at your criminal background. So you definitely, you know, it's, it's something to be said about that as well. Give you the freedom of of being able to, um, you know, just continue on with yeah. life and leave your, you know, things that happened in the past behind and, you know, just kind of prosper. So homeownership can help with that as well. Nice. Okay. Well, I think we're coming to an end, but I always ask yeah. everyone. Is there anything that you think people should know more about? So any books you think people should be reading, movies or shows that you're like, I love this movie or show. I want everybody to start watching this, listening to that, reading that, <laughs> anything like that? Um, well, you know, we watch, I don't know how we do it, Angela, but we watch a lot of TV and we also <laughs> listen to a lot of podcasts. We also read a lot of books. I'm not even sure how we do it. Um, I know that <laughs> Audible is a godsend and that, you know, I, I feel like it's cheating, but I do listen to a lot of books more than I actually pick them up and read them because I just do not have the time to do that. Um, but I will say, um, you know, just, I don't have anything particular to read, but I think if you saw the Amazon Prime series, is it them? I don't know. Them. Okay. I think it's called Them, and it's about a Black family that moves into a white suburban neighborhood back in, like, the 60s. And it's really, it's Jordan Peele, so it's, like, this really hyper, um, what do you call it, um, uh, surrealism-type feel yeah. to it. Like, it's not, you know, but but you get the nuance and what they're trying to portray. So I would say, if you really want to know what it's like to be Black, and you really want to know what it's like to be Black That's a good one. The first, like, yeah, the first family to, like, integrate an all-white area in an all-white school. Mm. Definitely watch that because it is not far off with what it's saying. I mean, it's extreme, <laughs> but it definitely will let you know. We have to go through this on a daily basis. And this happened in the 60s, but I'm telling you, it still is is relevant to right now in different different uh, ways. So watch that. Um, listen to many, you know, listen to many podcasts as you can. NPR, of course, is great. Read as many books you can. And again, Audible is not cheating. So just download stuff and listen to it in the car. Listen to it at work, whatever the case may be. But I, I think um, I would task people to go outside of their culture and really listen or read or watch something about somebody you have no nothing in common with, don't know much about, just so you can open up your mind to really, honestly, how much we're alike versus how much we're different. Because really... Um, especially for people of the global majority. Yeah. A lot of us are more alike than we ever thought. For the longest time, I didn't even know Angela was Micronesian. I just thought she was black and white. But then <laughs> I found out she was Micronesian, which didn't even make a difference because she's still my sister. And yeah, there we go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I will say this about you. I love that you, I feel like you and I bonded over this immediately, but you're a content queen, just like I'm a content queen. Like you love content. You love podcasts, yeah. you love books, you love movies, you love pop culture, like I've yes. always been interested in all of that. And I feel like you are too. So like yes. when I say names of celebrities, you're not that friend who's like, wait, I don't know who you're talking about. Like you always I know exactly who you're talking about. Oh my gosh. So I just listened to a couple of books. I listened to Firekeeper's Daughter, which follows mm. a girl who's biracial and she's half Native American or Indigenous American. 
and half mm-hmm. white and it was so good and like you said like I'm not Native American at all but mm-hmm. I identified with the character so much just because like people what do you say it one more time not people of color what is it if people of the global majority people of the global majority like you said like they there's so many intersections we have so much in common so like when she was talking about like all these things that were like culturally specific to being indigenous i was like mm-hmm. man that's just like micronesians <laughs> like right there's so much I, and then i just also finished a book that i'm sure is for middle schoolers 100 i think it's for middle schoolers it's called land of cranes but i read it okay. because it's told through the perspective of a nine-year-old so it's supposed to be good for like younger kids to read but it's yeah. about a nine-year-old who gets captured by ice and is put in a detainment camp Oh, wow. So, like, heavy. a heavy subject, but also, like, through very innocent eyes. So, it was really good. I really enjoyed that, too. So, I would recommend those for folks. Right on. I'm definitely going to put those on my list. I'll share them with you. Do you have any handles you want to share? I don't, because I'm so ratchet on social media. So <laughs> but. <laughs> any Like, any <laughs> handles that you love that you would be like, you should follow this person or that person. Oh. No, no. I follow usually me, ask people to share their but, own, but you don't no. want to. Some people share other people's. I knew you were gonna ask me that and I was like, nope, no. <laughs> um I don't know, like um I follow so many people that I can't even and I just get random stuff from places. I would say, you know, um if you see somebody who's like outspoken about certain things that you don't know a lot about, follow them. Like just see. Yeah. Even if you don't agree with what they say, sometimes you can find people that they kind of vibe with and maybe you might like someone, you know, because you know. You can learn anything from anybody, even some of the people where you're like, there's no way in the world I would ever like this person. I don't like anything that comes out of their mouth. But right. sometimes you learn stuff from your, about yourself even, even if you don't get anything intelligent from them. So True. I would say, you know, just, just keep, it, keep your ear to the street and don't just silo yourself and only have tunnel vision and only ascribe to folks that think like you because you need to know the other side of things just so you have you know the ammunition and also just the wherewithal and the and the just just the know because you want to know what the what the other folks think think too yeah for sure yeah but if you happen to find me on social media i will friend you but i'm just saying <laughs> be ready for the debauchery that's all i gotta say the debauchery. <laughs> i enjoy everything you post so no worries <laughs> thank you <Right. laughs> Well, that's all I have for you. Thank you for being on here. I hope it's helpful for the listeners. I hope people are encouraged to uh, become homeowners or at least, uh, you know, try to learn more. Yeah, at least, you know, like I said, most places have a um, HUD certified housing counseling agency. And they are, there are people that work there that have to take a test basically to be able to do this work, that know about fair housing, you know, all that kind of stuff. They know about financial part of it, about credit, and they're there to really be a neutral third party to help you to determine if you even want to get into home ownership. And once you want to get into it, who are the players in it? You know, they can help you right. to negotiate things. They can help you to get stuff off your credit. They can help you figure out what down payment assistance is available in your area, all types of things like that. So definitely, if you are even thinking about it, Talk to a HUD-certified housing counselor. They're called housing counselors, housing advisors, homeownership specialists, all kinds of things. But find one in your area and talk to them about about it because they will help you out tremendously. 
Nice. I might do that myself because I'm looking yes. to, to do some house shopping soon. So, yay. Well, thanks for being on. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate you asking me to be on. This was another episode of Four Micronations by Micronations. Thank you for listening. Four Micronations by Micronations is an anchor production hosted, produced, and edited by me, Angela Edward. You can learn more about me at AngelaEdward.com and more about the podcast at the Four Micronations by Micronations Instagram page. If you have any questions, inquiries, or recommendations for future topics or guests, please DM them into the Instagram page. I do want to recognize that I created this podcast in the home that I've settled in that colonists coined as Jackson, Michigan in the United States. This land is the land that originally was founded by the Potawatomi tribe that lived around what we now know as the Great Lakes. The Potawatomi tribe taught their children about the seven grandfathers' teachings of wisdom, respect, love, honesty, humility, bravery, and truth. And as kindred indigenous people, I want to honor their tribe and their respect for their ancestors by recognizing my gratitude for their space. All my Micronesian listeners and ally listeners, thank you again for listening and don't forget your self-care.